0: and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Mm -hmm. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Hello and welcome again to Grieving Voices, if you've been here before. And if this is your first time listening, thank you for being here Today, my guest is Ann Jacobs, and this is actually a follow-up episode to just check in and see how she is doing. We had originally recorded in early February of 2020, kind of at the start of COVID-19, and that episode actually didn't air until April 6th, and that episode is called The Road Less Traveled. 17 years with triple positive metastatic breast cancer, which Anne has. And so, Anne, thank you again for letting me follow up with you and sharing your follow-up with my listeners. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Again, my honor (laughs) to, to be part of it.
0: Yeah, so lots changed for a lot of people since we originally recorded. And what I want to give you an opportunity to, to share really is how COVID impacted you on top of having cancer. And we'll get into all sorts of good stuff, I'm sure, but what is the update that you would like to share?
1: Um, well, the, the update, which is, is good news, is that the, the current drug that I'm on, it's called, it's a fairly new drug. It's called nhertu, E-N-H-E-R-T-U is, is working, which means it's either keeping my cancer stable or best case scenario is what we call uh, no evidence of disease or no evidence of active disease. And the last PET scan I had showed um, the, the cancer that's in my right lung is stable which I'm thrilled with because it's a little bit currently is a little bit more active than my lower spine. And my lower spine is, is no evidence of active disease, which means the cancer is still there. But when the, the, but the PET scan doesn't pick up enough uptake to like, if you, if you went in and had a PET scan and you got the same uptake as I did it would be normal they, you know, they wouldn't consider anyone else having cancer. So, so right now I'm, I'm stable, which is wonderful. I always get nervous before my next PET scan, which I'm going to have in August. They call that scan, scan anxiety, because sometimes you have, or sometimes I have a false sense of security that in between scans, oh, everything's okay. And then as you get closer to the next scan, you start to wonder, okay, well, what is really going on and what will the PET scan show? And is the cancer actually um, more active than, than the prior scan? So that it can be a, a very extreme anxiety or it can be low level nervousness, but either way, most, I usually experience it. So that, so cancer-wise, I'm, I'm doing well. I've, I'm on treatment every three weeks um, for the cancer drug. And then I also get uh, immunotherapy to help boost my immune system about one to two weeks after my, my cancer treatment. So that's, that's a really good thing. And I'll stay on in her too, as long as it is keeping the cancer at bay. Thankfully I've been here for 17 years doing this, but eventually the drug will stop working and then I'll get on a new treatment. So that's sort of another fear is that, okay, well, what's next in the pipeline? I'll probably ask my oncologist at my next appointment if my next pet scan shows increase, um, you know, what do you, it's not, you know, a solid um, decision, but you know, what else is out there? What are my, my options? So, but for right now it's, it's all, it's good.
0: (laughs) It's so good to hear. So glad for you and your family. I'm sure it's like a party every time good results come back. I'm sure. Yeah. It's
1: um, when, when I do get the PET scan results, I get them in my online health portal and actually I have my husband read them. I can't, I don't read them anymore. I used to just, you know, go, can't wait to get the results, read them and let's see what it is. But I'd say for the past two years, I'll just tell him, okay, the results are in, you read them and tell me what they are. Because I've, I've asked my oncologist to send them as soon as she gets them. And, um, because I could ask her not to put them in my portal and just wait till my next appointment. But, um, so he'll read them and if they're good, it's, uh, okay. You know, I physically feel myself relax. If they're not, then like, okay, you know, I usually, I'll have a physical reaction one way or the other. Um, And then we'll tell my kids and they will react to, I mean, they've been doing it for 17 years as well, and they will be relieved and pumped up um, if it's good news. And if it's not, then they say, okay, well, mom's going to go see your oncologist and they'll come up with a new plan and, you know, we'll go from there. I don't know, probably someday, I hope it's not for a long time might have to have the conversation of, well, we've done all we can, but I don't think about that. And I, I'm sure they have it in the back of their mind, but um, cause who wouldn't, but it's not something that we, we focus on. So it's, it's kind of like when the PET scan results uh, give us like a way, like a wave, it's not like a big high, high, low, kind of in the middle of, okay yes it's good or no it's not and then you know either path you take either path to okay i'm going this way to the left or i'm going this way to the right
0: so you get these wonderful results in the middle of a pandemic and i'm curious how the pandemic has impacted really probably your mindset in a lot of ways i'm sure or yeah, I guess in what ways has the pandemic a- affected you?
1: In the in the beginning, um not too much because I have to be careful anyway because my immune system's compromised. So, I was wearing masks on airplanes before the pandemic. I was washing my hands like crazy before the pandemic. I was you know doing all of that picking and choosing you know, who I could be around, when I could be around people and that kind of thing. But as time went on, I kind of probably joined the rest of the world who wasn't used to living like that because I really resented having to wear a mask. (laughs) I would, I just, as soon as I would walk out of a store, I ripped the thing off. Um, I didn't wear my mask outside because with my, I, I have half of a right lung, that works. So I, if I had it on too long, it just affected my breathing. So as soon as I get outside, I just rip the thing off because I just resented another rule that I had to follow that I had no control over. So in that, it was a, a balancing act. Um, things in our house kind of were the same. My husband is a, he works for himself. So, um, he and his assistant worked out their, their routine, you know, at work. Um, but he got up every day and went to work. So it felt inside the house, it felt normal. But then when I'm home alone, I could, I could go out and walk. I'd be outside with the dogs, but if I wanted to go anywhere, you know, maybe I couldn't the things that, you know, if I wanted to go lose myself in TJ Maxx, you know, for an hour, just looking at stuff, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do the things that I would normally use to escape, to get back to doing things that maybe regular people do. Um, so that that became pretty hard. And then I finally saw my mom uh, la- earlier this month. I hadn't seen her about a year and a half. That was pretty hard. We talked every day, but not being able to know that she could fly out or I could go see her, that was actually really hard because that was part of my life. She, We would see each other two, three, four times a year, depending on my health and her health. So in some respects, I felt like I was holding my breath, probably like everybody else. And you hunker down and you do what you have to do. In other respects, I'm sure with, it was like another added layer or two of constriction. And so I I resented that. And I had to figure out like another way or a way to deal with another restriction, another thing that I had to uh, conform to health-wise. That became a little challenging for me.
0: Well, unfortunately things have opened up a little bit. Yes. But it's at this time of recording and towards the end of June here, it's kind of sounding ominous again a little bit with this other variant and Yeah. So I guess we'll all see. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, if, you know, if you've been through something, you kind of know what, you know, what your experience was and how you eventually made it through it, that experience. And so you can rely on that information to, you know, prepare you for, hopefully, you know, we won't go through this again, but if we have to, at some level, whether you're working from home or you have, you know, little little kids at home or, you know, retired, or you've got parents in a a nursing facility, you can lean back on the experience you had and hopefully not make, or make life a little bit easier, I guess, you know, we'll see. But yeah, for, for right now, it was when, when I was back in Michigan, they, I live in California, when I was back in Michigan, they had lifted the, uh, the requirement to wear a mask if you were fully vaccinated. So, As soon as I got out of the airport, you you have to wear it in the airport because it's the federal regulations and all that. And then when I was with my mom at a doctor's appointment, you wear it in the common areas. And then in the exam room, you can take it off. Um, But other than that, it was nobody really was wearing a mask. It was just this wonderful, like joyous feeling of, oh, you know, we just felt normal again. And then when I got back here, it was just a couple days, or to California, it was just a couple days later when they lifted the the mask requirement, if you're fully vaccinated. I've noticed there's more people where I live uh, will wear the mask than than they were in Michigan. But either way, you have the choice. You can wear it or not. You don't have to. So I,
0: I don't. So what have you found that has been helpful to you living with cancer during a pandemic?
1: The thing that kept popping up for me, which, or I should say percolating to the surface, which means I've been thinking about it or it's been, I've been pushing it down and and then it kind of keeps coming up and up and up is, and I felt this for a long time. I have, I tend to minimize for myself, like the smaller losses, which what I consider I'll explain in a minute what I consider to be smaller losses in my life. Um, I have three friends whose their, their sons have died to way too early. And um, one from cancer, one by suicide and one by accidental over medicating. And that to me is just admire these women so much. I just don't know how they go on, but you know, they do. And I look at them and I say, okay, well, and just because you, you, you know, your legs hurt today and you can't walk or all you can do is brush your teeth and go back to bed, but your kids are, are here, you know, my three sons are here. And so I use that as a, as a benchmark. What I found is that the more that I don't deal with Sometimes I'm even embarrassed to say like I consider them to be insignificant because the loss of a child, I just can't even imagine. So the rest of it, I think, okay, I should be able to deal with this because I think, well, God forbid, what if I lost a child, then I would say I would give anything back. Yes, I will live with neuropathy in my, like from my feet up to my you know, hip bone, I'll live with that. No problem. I just want my son back. I will live with the fact that, you know, I'm in bed for five days or, you know, I'm in the hospital for five days with double pneumonia. Like I could do anything or I would do anything. And I know they would too. So it's this, I don't know if you call it a push pony, but I have had to realize that it's okay for me to grieve what I consider the smaller losses And to pay attention to them and recognize them, they all pile up. And then I become, I'm tired because I'm not sleeping well. So I have low energy, but at the same time, I'm like lethargic. I don't feel like doing anything. I'll, I can't concentrate. And if I do concentrate, it takes, I have to just pull everything out of me to sit, you know, to, to do a task when I get anxious or nervous or depressed. I, I don't, um, some people I know eat. My response is not eating. If I allow all these little, what I consider to be little things to pile up, then it becomes this big, huge mess. And then I don't know where to start. It's all this stuff in a pot. I pull one out, it's just stuck to everything else. So where do you start? And it becomes a little overwhelming. And then I might you know, react or to emotion when it doesn't warrant it, like I might become too sad or too angry. Um, And then I know, okay, something else is going on. I've really, I have to allow myself to, to pay attention to these little things along the way, recognize them. And for me, knowing that they're, they're not going to go away and I'll probably feel the same thing, you know, next month. But if I don't allow myself that ability to, to touch them, to feel them. These, and I'm talking about the losses and that's what it feels like to me, you know, pick it up, hold it. All right. Again, cause they're like unwanted house guests. Okay. I can't, this is what I can't do, but what can I do? That's sort of been my motto, but sometimes that doesn't work. And then I know I have to do a little bit more, pay more attention to what's actually happening with me instead of saying high energy, I'm going to do this today. And I'm gonna be grateful. I'm gonna focus on the joy. I'm gonna do something, one thing that makes me happy, whether it's for myself or someone else. You know, I go through my checklist, but then if that doesn't work, then I know, okay, I've really gotta, I've gotta dig a little deeper and allow myself to do that. And it's my own, I, I don't know, comparison's not the right word, but to allow myself to to feel sad or angry that I'm in this situation and my kids are are okay and my husband's okay. And you know, my family's okay. So that actually has been popping up quite often for the last, I would say six months.
0: I can't remember when, but it was after we recorded, I offered you a Reiki session Yeah. that you took part in. It was a distance Reiki session, obviously, because you're in California and I'm in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And what came of that is you had shared with me after that you feel like you need to well actually what came up during the session and I told you was that you need to start painting. Yes. Not knowing that you were a painter. Well at one time that you I, painted that I, you love yeah, to paint. I messed, yes. yeah
1: yeah like just mess around with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So have you been painting?
1: I I did actually. I went out and I bought this little some little watercolors. I just mess around with it. <laughs> I don't I am not a painter, but so I, I did, I went out and bought that and I, I did for probably about a month and a half and then you know, life started happening. And yes, that was something that came from the, the Reiki session and it felt right. You know, it feels good. I have my, I have it all downstairs where I keep some of my craft things. And, but I, I have not done it for the last, I think January, maybe because it's the new year. Um, but I haven't done it for the last few months. But that does and I know I'm not saying anything new here because but just to have the the brush and you know, stick it in the paint and whatever, I don't even think. I just start it can be just movements of my hand on the paper or and that's usually actually what it is. And then I'll look at it and say, Oh, okay, well this looks kinda angry or this looks peaceful or I I recognize exactly what's going on and it's a way to get it out of my system.
0: That's where I was going. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly where I was going to get there. Yeah. (laughs) No, but that's where I was going. That I, you hadn't told me that part, but that's what I was suspecting. And what you were saying too, about what you were sharing about minimizing and, and just these other losses, these smaller losses that are not small. I'm not minimizing them at all. Those were your words, but when you're feeling that way, that might be a wonderful thing to pull out when you're feeling that way and maybe even take them outside, you know? Yeah.
1: That, that would be a, that, that would be a a good thing. And I was actually, I'm, I'm headed back to, to Michigan for about three weeks. And I was thinking, well, I could, I could take it with me and just have them out, you know, and just walk by or, but I can do that at home as well but yeah it's it's a good way to to just either consciously or subconsciously get the the feelings out and i used to i i used to do it a lot so it was the reiki session was um was very sort of eye opening that you had picked up on that when we had never talked about it before
0: would you like to share more about your experience with that reiki session
1: sure so I had thought about doing one here, you know, years ago, I had done some research and I'd found someone and then probably, you know, cancer got in the way and I couldn't do it. And then I, you know, stopped thinking about it. So I thought, Oh, okay, we'll give it a try. And truthfully, I, I thought, how's this going to work? Because you're in North Dakota, I'm here. And, you know, how does the energy you're not here in the room with me. How does the, the energy flow? How does this even work? So I was a, not skeptical, but curious that, well, okay, we'll just, we'll see how it goes. But I found that listening to the music and, you know, knowing you were on the other end, cause we didn't talk for what, like an hour, an hour. hour. Mm-hmm. that that sort of um, mindful connection, it made a difference. So I kind of, in a way I picked, I had my eyes closed, you know, I was laying down and I thought, well, Victoria's in North Dakota, but what if she was like right here? And I have my eyes closed because it's something when I get MRI, when I get MRIs, I close my eyes in the machine and I, I just picture, okay, my eyes are closed. I'll just pretend that, you know, I'm, I'm by a lake or I'm in the river in a you know, near a river, it's usually water so I I do this visualization. So I thought, well, all right, I'll just pretend you're here in the room and what, how would I be feeling? What would that, you know, look like anyway? So doing that made for me, made this, I guess the energy connection. And then afterwards I was, um, I felt more focused or in tune to what was, you know, going on with me. I felt a little more, I felt more at peace little more energized, because I felt at peace, I didn't have the, um, the heavy weight of my anxiety or dread, do feel that like as a weight on me. So it felt freeing, it felt open. And I kept that feeling, probably for a month and a half. And then, you know, real life happens and just kind of piled on again. But I, I found it, I thought, okay, well, this would be a good tool to, I have to consciously add this into and make time for this because it was, it was more effective, honestly, than I thought it was going to be. But I also realized that the long distance, I, I had to, like I said, I had to maybe work a little bit harder to make that connection because when someone's in the room with you, you know, you feel their energy, you feel their presence and all that. So I had to just coordinate that with, what was happening. And after I did that, it, you know, it wasn't that hard because again, you're I'm laying down and listening to the music and I'm I'm kind of doing my work and you were doing your work. Somewhere between North Dakota and California, they connected.
0: <laughs> well that just speaks to the power of the mind, right? And right. our intention. And in a Reiki session, there is nothing that anyone needs to do. The client like you, there was nothing you would have had to do. Right. Be open to receive. Right. So you just took it one step further for your own intention. Yeah. Put your own intention into it. And that's, again, I'm just saying like that speaks to the power of intention. And so we can bring that in all areas of our lives. Yes.
1: Yep. Yeah, we can, because for me to live with intention, it's a gift because I can't do it fully as I would like to, but I can do it in little pieces just because of, again, you know, my energy level, how I'm feeling and, you know, the other living with this unwanted house guest I have to deal with. And so that, I I guess also go, is part of, you know, what I call some of my smaller losses is to say, oh, I'd love to do this, but I can't. I, I literally, I can't physically finish something that I might want to pursue. So I have to do it in little bits and pieces knowing that I'll never get to the the end result that I might, that I might be able to, if I didn't have cancer again, it's, and that has actually, that's, you know, popped up these last few months because I'll see people around me doing these wonderful things, you know, you with your, your podcast, your amazing guests. And, um, other friends who are, are, they are living with intention and I know they have their bad days. And I mean, everybody does, but they're seeing it through. And I know that can't see something all the way through. I can go part way and enjoy what I can, but then I have to recognize, okay, well, you know, if I can't, can't even think, you know, if I can't do what X, Y, Z, but I can pull out my watercolors and I can, you know, just kind of mess around with that for, you know, an hour, or I can, I can write. I can sit down and write for 15 minutes, which is I participated in a a, a podcast writing um, with a, a nonprofit. They help cancer patients. And 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 the woman said, you know, you just for 15 minutes and, you know, she'd give us different prompts and she told us the best way to do it. So it just takes 15 minutes, just, you know, sit down and, and write this and you can come back to it. So I can do these little things in pieces. Would I ever be able to write a book? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Would I ever be able to, you know, paint, learn her how to really paint, Uh, you know, probably not, but this is what I can do. So it's that balance of recognizing the losses. And then also, I can't do that and allow myself the time to grieve it. But yes, I can do this. And so I can live with intention, not the way I'd love to, but I still can live with intention.
0: I disagree that- on the I disagree oh. on the book writing part though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> very much disagree I, on that. I don't know. I very much disagree. Now <laughs> speaking of writing, because when we last recorded, we had it came up about writing your children letters. Yeah. Have you gotten back into that? Because I you had said that you had started doing that.
1: I did. And so I have been I haven't gotten to the point where I'm writing, you know, uh life time, you know, I should probably, well, anyway, I'm sorry. Yes. I've been, I've been sending them cards. I'll find a card that I like, and then I'll, I'll write a note in it and, um, and I'll mail it and I don't do it. Like I could probably do it every day, but they'd be like, mom, you've lost it. So, but I'll even, you know, our youngest is he's in, uh, transition for, you know, he's been home for the year for for COVID, and now he's looking to go back to school. So he's been living with us. So I'll I'll put a letter in the mailbox for him. It just turns around and comes right back. But it's always fun to get something in the mail. So I have I have been doing that, and then I've also been sending them you know little texts here and there. They're so busy that the texts have to be super short. <laughs> I love you, or I think you're amazing, those kinds of things but I haven't gotten down to actually do that writing that we've, that we were talking about where it's more of a
0: lessons from mom. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So don't say I never told you so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you look forward to for the rest of 2021?
1: Well, I, I take it in, you know, little snapshots. So I leave mid July and I'll, I'll go back to Michigan for about three weeks and we have a cottage in Northern Michigan. And so Chris and the boys and, and one of my son's girlfriends, they're going to come out for the last, the last week. I'll, I'll be there. They come out maybe four or five, four days after and they stay for a week and then I'll stay for like another week or so. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, then we come back and then I'll get my PET scan (laughs) And then, you know, I'll have the results of that. And that that sort of is, I'll go that far out. But beyond that, we're hoping to either go have a family trip to Yosemite or the Grand Canyon. So that's, you know, out there. And then my one of my brothers is is doing a, a half Ironman back in Michigan, so in September. So I would actually like to, if I can, I'd like to go back for that again. Everything beyond the PET scan is possibilities. I've lived with that. So it's not, you know, for the, thankfully again, for the last 17 years. So it's, that's not a new feeling. And that's not a new way of living for us. It's like, well, if, you know, if I'm feeling good, then we'll, we'll do this. If I'm not, then we, you know, then we won't. So we've either postponed or had to cross off, you know, many different things to do as a family, but I'm hoping, because I am, I mean, I am feeling pretty good, but um, I'm hoping that we can get those, participate in those things. And then comes, you know, Thanksgiving, which is a big, the boy, you know, they love Thanksgiving and then there's Christmas and, you know, everything in between. So I always look forward to those times because I know they're going to be home. My mom might be able to to come out. So I have The for sure's, the possibilities, and then the maybes, you know, the dangling ones. So that kind of keeps me going. And as you get closer to each one, as soon as I get the PET scan results, then I'll know what the rest of the year can look like for me. So it's like living in um, two or three month chunks at a time. I don't really have the luxury of, I can plan, but I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, past August. But then again, it goes back to getting myself to the point where I'm okay, you know, focus on my, I know I have to deal with, because they keep coming up, these, these losses and then, okay, I feel like I've got my head above water a little bit and then get back on track with the things that, you know, I can find joy and things I find hopeful and, and the things I have, have gratitude for. So it's a a little slower process this time around.
0: Do you know of other women in your area that have, that are living with metastatic breast cancer?
1: No, not right now. I know women who are living with either currently going through treatment or have gone through treatment, but they're not stage four, they might be one, two or three, but I'm in a Facebook group with a metastatic breast cancer, Facebook group and that that is that is is pretty helpful because i can if i'm when i need to to get on and read i can i can comment i can interact or i can just sit back and read other people's comments that seems to that helps a lot everyone posts on there you know good news bad news and in between and you will get so much support and it's you know it's it's heartfelt support that you can feel through you know, the computer, like you can with the Reiki, you feel that through the, you know, the headphones and and that. So that to me is pretty helpful. And you're talking with women who are going through the same thing. They might not have the same cancer characteristics, so they, they might be on different drugs, but the issues are usually the same.
0: Yeah. I was just wondering if there was anyone close to you, maybe even in that group.
1: Um, there, there pro- probably is in the past. I've you know, said, yeah, well, let's meet for coffee or something. And it didn't happen. So right now I don't feel a strong need, but it might be in the future. You know, I never, never say never to make that connection. I know it's, I know it's there. Of course, there's going to, there's going to be women, you know, around me or within like an hour, or two hour drive that, you know, you could go meet the Bay area. There's a gal I know she's, she's been dealing with metastatic cancer. She lives in Southern California. She's very active. And I, I used to see her more often just because of different things would bring us together. Now I, you know, you interact, um, through the Facebook group, but you know, if I needed to, I could pick up the phone and call her and, you know, and talk. So that's always available.
0: Well, and I think there's just, I mean, it's, a good thing to have people who really get what you're yeah. going through. Right. And so yeah. just that you have that support there. Yeah. Of people who really do get it. Yeah. Cause I can't, I still can't wrap my head around 17 years. Like I, when is your 18th anniversary?
1: Next year. So um, it was actually July of 2004 and you know, my kids were little my youngest was, had just turned four. We were in at our cottage in Michigan and my back started hurting. I thought, Oh, you know, I'm running around in the water and I'm picking kids up and moving and, you know, all that. So I tweaked my back. So I got a massage and it seemed to help, but the, the pain didn't really go away. And then it became pretty acute. So, you know, I ended up, I came back and I asked my oncologist, you know, I told him what's going on and he said, Oh, it's probably sciatic nerve. So he, we got an x-ray just to my, like right below, you know, my lower spine and, and off to the right. and It came back clear. And then um, probably a month or so went by and I called my primary care physician and said, you know, I've had this backache, it's not going away. So he x-rayed from my waist down and, you know, boom. That's the cancer showed up in my lower spine and in my left hip. And um, so I didn't get officially diagnosed, you know, for months, uh, probably till October. And then I didn't start treatment until maybe November, December. But I look back on, I know the cancer was there in July. It just, I hadn't got it diagnosed yet. So I just used July as my, the month. So 18 years will be next year in July.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
1: Maybe I can be, I'll come back in in July of next year and, and we'll see how
0: it's going. I would love to have you. That'd be great. Yeah. And it's, you know, I would I would
1: never expect anyone. I would never expect you to, it's too hard to wrap your head around. Like, what does it look like to, to live with this or, you know, any sort of cancer or, you know, what is the day? What do you do through the every day? Ride um, the roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's, um, it is pretty hard to understand unless you live through it. And I wouldn't want anyone to have to, <laughs> to understand it. But thousands of women who are, are, you know, doing this every day, you know, you wake up one morning, guess what you have, you know, you have cancer. Uh, Okay. And it's not never going away. Oh, okay. And, you know, depending on your life experiences and what you've, how you've handled things in the past, that will influence you moving forward. And when I got diagnosed initially, I had this, all right, let's, you know, stage three, we'll beat it. It'll go through chemo. There's a start and there's an end date. I've got this. And then you get the call. No, it's spread. You know, I had no comprehension. I didn't know where to put my feet down. This was something that I had never encountered before. So I had a friend help me sort of navigate and get, get a second opinion. And you go from that to a third opinion, go back to your oncologist, you make a plan. So it's just like moving forward without a, a map, doing the best you can. So that's led me to here. <laughs> I've learned a lot along the way, but um, pretty amazing. I'm, I'm pretty grateful, I'm very humbled by the fact I'm still here. Very, very grateful.
0: I love that you're here. And I love Thank that you. our paths have crossed and we will continue to do these follow-ups as long oh, as I appreciate it. As long as my podcast exists. <laughs> so well, you've had like I
1: alluded to earlier, you've had some pretty amazing guests. I was thinking, God, why why does Victoria want to talk to me? These other people are just there. I haven't gotten through all of your podcasts yet because I'll sometimes I'll go back and I'll I'll re-listen to, you know, some of them. Oh, what did he or she say? But just you've had some really some really impactful conversations.
0: Oh, there's so many more to come. So I many, bet. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Is there anything else you would like to share today? I can't think of anything
1: except I guess to reiterate what I'm I'm learning or I'm allowing myself to To just deal with the, again, what I consider the smaller losses so that I can have a more peaceful existence. To do, find what works for you and allow yourself, you know, if you have that should, I should do this or I should do that. When those shoulds come up too much, I need to really pay attention because then I'm not doing what is best for me to be the best version of myself and allow myself to push the shoulds away and the judgment, therefore I have on myself and just focus on if I do this, I'm going to feel better. I'll be a better version. I'll be a better mom, wife, friend. I'll be a better and be a better person for myself too.
0: That's perfect. And we will end it there because I think that's perfect. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you again,
0: Victoria. And thank you for being here and for being you and sharing all that you're learning along the way. I appreciate you.
1: Appreciate you too. Thank you.
0: And remember, when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.